Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to The Niche and Compass. I am Allegra Stein, and today I am so excited to introduce you to my friend and colleague, Robbie Swale. Robbie's been coaching for over six years now. He is the host of an awesome podcast called The Coach's Journey. I was actually a guest on that show, and he runs The Coach's Journey community. He has also recently released a book called How to Start When You're Stuck, practical inspiration to get your idea off the ground. He created the content for this book using his 12-minute method, which he teaches in the book and which is also part of our conversation. We dive into all kinds of coaching-related you know, topics, ideas, questions, what it's like when you're first starting out, how to get past some of those biggest roadblocks. I think you're going to take away so much insight from this one. We dive right in. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Hello. Hi there. Hi. You've made it. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> here we are. We're just going to dive right in. Awesome. So what I'd love to ask you to do first, because so the people who listen to this podcast are, I suspect, mostly coaches. A lot of them, I think, are on the earlier part of their coaching journey. So in your words, like, how would you describe... I use this metaphor a lot of like having a free museum and having a souvenir shop. So the free museum is like all the different displays there are for people to check out all the different ways for people to kind of experience and learn from your work. And then the souvenir shop is where they can potentially purchase something or work with you in a, in a, in another way. I also describe it as like an ecosystem. It's like, what are the parts of your coaching ecosystem these days? <laughs> great question great question. so everybody can find you plus it'll be a chance just from the beginning for people to know like where you are in the world and where they can yeah yeah so okay good good question so free museum i mean these days allegra there's loads of stuff so i've been coaching for i, I realized the other day finally i think finally i've i've, I've somehow crossed some boundary where mm -hmm. i feel like i've been coaching long enough that i don't have to talk about my pre-coaching work anymore Okay. I think that happened somewhere between about six years and about six and a half years. So for anyone who's <laughs> earlier in, that's when it happened to me. Um, so free museum. Yeah. Over those six and a half, six and a half years, there's, there's a bunch of different, different things. So for coaches, probably the most important, uh, most interesting and most rich resource of part of my free museum is at the coaches journey.com. Yep. So there, there is a podcast. There's like 34 episodes, including one with you, which is wonderful. Um, and they are like in-depth, mostly there's some episodes that are just with me, but most of them are in-depth dives with coaches into how they got where they got to their story from the first time they heard of coaching to present, um, obviously with different levels of digressions, different levels of detail on, on different parts and all that kind of thing. Um, also on that site is collected um, my... Uh, a bunch of writing that I've done about coaching over the years, most of it not in the last couple of years for reasons I'll get onto in a sec. Um, but, uh, but, but there's a bunch of writing about coaching on there. There's also some videos. There's also videos of me coaching, although I get a bit embarrassed by them now because they're at least all, I think they're all at least three years old. So I need to record some new ones because, you know, that's like halfway back into my coaching. So let's hope my coaching's kind of developed since then. Um, there are also a load of, a load of bits of my writing as part of the free museum at robbyswale.com and then probably the biggest bit of the free museum perhaps a separate free museum in itself is my 12 minute blog which i've been writing yes. a, a blog post every week um in with a 12 minute timer for the last uh since august 2016 so for the last five and a half years so there's now 200 plus of them 
Uh, they used to be really hard to find on LinkedIn. You had to kind of like dig around in my profile and then do a lot of scrolling. Now they're all on my website as well at robbyswell.com. So there's a load, a load more, a load easier to access. And, and there's, there's lots of them, lots, almost too much free museum to get into. It's like when you go, I don't know, like the, the museums in London where I live are free. Like it's an amazing, or, or some of the big, the big ones are an amazing policy shift. Um, I think done in the late nineties. And mm. it, you know, th those museums are too big for one sitting. They definitely are. You can go to, to the, you know, a, Exactly. The one for some reason, the Tate museums are the ones I'm thinking of. So there's a Tate Britain, which is the kind of the cl more classical art and Tate Modern, which originally was the modern art gallery. And they're both just absolutely enormous. They're like the Met in, in New York. Or That's something what like I was going to say. Like, it's like all absolutely enormous. You need to go a bunch of times to get it. And, and unfortunately, my 12 minute <laughs> blog has got so out of hand that that is true of that as well. Um, and then let me say a little bit about the souvenir shop. So yeah. So what's in the souvenir shop? In the souvenir shop um, is my one on one coaching. So mm -hmm. I, I get interested in particularly three things in coaching, in my coaching. So I'm interested in what I'm calling these days leading with honor. So I like working with leaders. And often the challenge that they're kind of wrestling with is how do I succeed without having to compromise who I are, with who I am, without having to um, compromise my values. Like I want to be myself as well as I can and I want to be successful. And, and mm -hmm. how do we answer that question and, and square what feels like a circle there sometimes so that leadership piece which and that's how I sometimes talk about it I love the, the craft of coaching um so I do do a little bit of one-on-one -on -one work with coaches um but I also have a community for coaches I mean in in some ways in structure not hugely dissimilar to yours although it is it is different um yeah. uh, and that's at thecoachesjourney.com as well um and I'm really interested in creativity so um, by that, what I mean is um, how, wh why do we sometimes, uh, or many of us, me included, have ideas, have things we really want to do and not do them? Mm. Um, and, and for me, that's kind of one of the purest creativity questions, because what we're talking about is there's an idea we have, there's a sense of possibility. We've speculated that there's something interesting that might happen. Um, and then the creativity is making that real in some way. And yet lots of us stop at that point. Um, and, and so I do one-on-one -on -one work on that. And the latest addition to my souvenir shop is a book, which came out late last yes. year called How to Start When You're Stuck. And that last piece about creativity, about bridging the gap between the speculation and the possibility and, and the thing existing, that is what that book is designed or, well, has, has come into existence to try and help people with. Yeah, I want to definitely, I was, I'm, I was excited to talk I'd love to talk about the book and just um, dive into some of what the highlights for me have been and get you to reflect a little more on it too. And to get some of your perspective on coaching, just because I think we dovetail so much on some of these things, a conversation about it would be really cool. Um, first of all, I'm very curious where I, I really love and invite you to share really quick about the hundred podcast project, because <laughs> well, just what jumped out at me when I was reading about it, was this idea, and, and forgive me, I forget who it was that mentioned this to you, that like finishing the book is where the work begins. And I think that is true. Like if we want to, the, the latest phrase I've been using, like if we want to have our own gig, like if we want to do our own thing, um, there's, it's not just enough to like create something because you can create it and it can just like sit on your driveway and not go anywhere. And so this idea that the work begins once you're finished, I think just acknowledges a truth that can be very jarring for people when they get started. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but isn't so it annoying. enough just to like have this really cool thing in my hands? <laughs> so what I, what I appreciate about that post, and it's one of your most recent posts, it's right on the front page of your site, is this 100 podcast project, which turned that 
kind of realization of like, oh, I still have things to do to get this this book out in the world into a project that you could actually turn into action steps and making something happen. So so will you just share really quick, what is the 100 Podcast Project? Where does this interview fall on it? <laughs> because yeah. I think it's great. It's like, what well, it makes it tangible. But I think that's what I love to do is like try and take ideas and make them very like real. And so that one I really appreciate. So so give us a quick debrief. Yeah. And Allegra, like quick debrief. So not my strong point. So feel oh! free to in- interrupt at any point if I'm doing yeah, like the third it caveat or sidebar in this story because no it's perfect it actually contains quite a lot of things which i think are really relevant to coaches um and the creative process so let me have a go at that um so yeah it was my friend um john monks who with his uh, business partners just published a book called uh, closer apart which is about running great online workshops which is of course the world for everybody post covid so do check that out he was the one who said he published they published their book just like a month or two before mine and when he when he found out mine was done he was like yeah don't just just so remember the work starts here. Um, now, I think I agree with everything you've said um, about about like we can't just create something um, and expect it to magically go somewhere. Now, having said that, in with my book, I a part of it, a part of publishing it was part of the long game, and I think there's a real for the long game for me, and I think there's a real parallel with coaching. It's like. For me, I knew because I write a blog post every week and because I speak to people and coach people and occasionally speak at events, I knew that if I had a book out there, it would sell some copies if I Mm. did, if all I did was publish it and then add people on LinkedIn occasionally. Because if you add, if I had enough people on LinkedIn and some people will see that the book exists and of them, some people will go on and and buy it, right? But that's a very small number and it could be very, very small. Um, and I think there's there's some ways in which um, that is true of a coaching business as well. Look, if you if you do the bare minimum, if you kind of connect with people occasionally and uh, tell them that you coach, then then some small number of people in the end, if you do that enough times, will uh, will connect with you, will probably become clients if you do some things that go along with that. The question is if that occasional sometimes happens, may happen, very small number of people is enough, <laughs> either right. for the coaching business or for, um, in this case, the book sales. Now, I was getting quite uh, overwhelmed at the end of last year um, with the book being out, feeling like I had suddenly my creative brain was going. I had like a million ideas for what I could do to get the book out there more. And I was feeling quite stressed about that. Um, it's like a bit overwhelmed, too many ideas, um, all that kind of thing. And so I, I actually got out that I reminded myself of the book, The One Thing, which I really like. It's a book by Gary Keller. And, you know, the title says everything, really, you know. Yeah, I have that. <laughs> um, it, but, but the book is great. It is better than just the, the kind of um, clickbaity title because there's lots of, of wise stuff in there about all kinds of things, including, you know, how you manage your energy and, and all kinds of other things. But he has a great question in there, which is, what's the one thing you can do such that by doing it, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary? Um, and uh, I asked that and I realized actually the first answer was publish the rest of the series because the, the book's part of a series. So the one thing right. I could do to help this book sell would be to get the rest of them out. So that's my plan for this year. And then I thought I can, I've got enough space in this year to probably do one more thing. So what's the one, the next one thing? And that's when the podcast challenge emerged. Now, there are a few reasons it emerged. One is I read that I read a great blog post by Michael Bungay Stanya, who who made about how he made his book, The Coaching Habit, a kind of industry leading book, 
um, which was it, that was also a self-published book. So he did a load of things, one of which was go on lots of podcasts. Um, and I that kind of pe had piqued my interest. And then I'd also realized that one of the that really the measure of success for me for this book is not when I when I really dug into that when I asked um, you know what success for the book then I got the first of all I got the normal things I, I, I wrote this all down I was like I need to think carefully about what success is for me for this book you know mm. first what came out was sell some books then what came out was like and from that get some some more clients be able to do some more impactful work and then I asked a question that one of my mentors Robert Holden asks in his work on success intelligence which is uh, yes yes that's great and what is real success you know with italics on the real um, and what came back for me then was quite interesting for me. It was, you know, it got a bit purer, basically. It's like, I'd like to get, I'd like to inspire some people to make a thing that they wouldn't have otherwise made, but that they've been mm. wanting to make for a while. So like success for me really is, is having somebody tell me I've been wanting to do this, whatever this is, write a book, start a business, um, you know, reach out to somebody, ask somebody out. Like, I don't, I don't really care what it is. I've been wanting to do this for months, years. And I came across your work and I was inspired and now I've done it or I've started. And I realized that I didn't need to sell any books to do that. <laughs> There's an extent to which I can just tell the story of the book because that's part mm. of what makes the book has made, has in the past made the book impactful for people. And I, and I had a record of this. Um, I actually talked about it at a, at a, um, a workshop, uh, you know, and in a 20 minutes, um, you know, told the story and in 20 minutes sparked some some thoughts in people which set them writing in a way they wouldn't have otherwise. So I had a track record of this. So that all added together to be, ah, well, if I um, if I go on a lot of podcasts and tell this story, then yes, that might sell some books. But more importantly, it might just inspire some people to start. And that's what actually matters. Right. Um, and then the final little sidebar to just add, or, or little postscript is I also had had um powerful experience in my coaching business of what setting myself what feels like a slightly outrageous challenge can do for me now it's not for everyone but for the right people setting a challenge which stretches you as long as you can hold it playfully enough you know can do what it does for me which is that it, it gets me out of my own way um it get, makes me ask for help like asking you for help um mm -hmm. which is what how we ended up doing this podcast um and it gets me getting creative uh and for me, trying to be on 100 podcasts in a year is that because that means trying to do it more than two a week. And because I started a bit slowly, I definitely need to do more than two a week. Um, and that is for me, then, if, if 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 just sitting there and waiting with my thing isn't quite enough, then it's some concerted, uh, one of the things I wrote in, a, in an article recently is like, yeah, it is always a long game and you can't, con I can't control how many people are inspired by or by, inspired by the work or by my book, but I can do some things that create the conditions for that to happen. And sometimes an extraordinary level of action, like for me, an extraordinary level of action is being on a hundred podcasts in a year, um, might create some extraordinary results. And it has in my coaching business when I've done challenges a bit like this. Um, I don't know if it will in this. Um, and that, so then to finally answer your question, I think this is the 10th time nice. that I'll be telling the story so far. It might be the ninth. Um, and then depending on when this will come out, I think there's three that are out already. And if people want, they can, like you said, it's on the front page of my website at the moment. If people want to keep track or find out where where I'm up to with those things, or listen to me talking about this work lots of times, um, you can do that by finding that finding that article. Where okay, so how about this? If someone listening right now thinks, "Oh, he should, should go on this other podcast," 
How do they let you know that? Where can oh, they yeah. send you that suggestion? Thank you for saying that, because I have been forgetting to ask that question enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd love to hear from anyone who has a podcast or has ever listened to a podcast or has a friend or contact who has a podcast <laughs> and who would like a. It's not just but that's not the end of the sentence. Sorry, I do need to finish the sentence. The end of the sentence is who would value a guest who was up for talking about, you know, any of the things that, that we've touched on so far or are going to touch on in this conversation, but particularly the book. You know, it is about procrastination and productivity on some levels. It's about creativity. That's what it feels for my soul. That's what it feels like it's most about. Um, it's also about writing. It's about habits. So all those good things. If anyone has a podcast, please let me know. Um, you can contact yeah. me via my website um, or add me on LinkedIn. Um, and you can just, there's a, there's a contact form on, on my website at robbyswale.com. And I think an email address on there. Um, you can just email them they or, or fill in the form. They all come straight through to me. I don't have some big team uh, managing my inbox or anything <laughs> like that. That's awesome. So what, when you, I like to think about, um, I like to think about things sometimes as tools, like what can we use a tool for? And not all, you know, when you think about a piece of art, it, that question of like, how do we use it might not feel relevant. It might be more like, how do we experience it? What impact does it have on us? But when you think about your book, how, what do you hope someone like, feels more of as a result of your book but also i'm an activator mm -hmm. so i um i really enjoy helping move into action i think that's why your book speaks to me so much because of this idea of starting and getting into motion and and um finding the smallest next step like all of that stuff rings so true to me um but what do you hope someone who reads the book feels more of right more of that internal experience and what do you hope they start doing and I, th I I recognize that that might seem like a simple question but if your book was a tool what how would you know it was being used yeah no it's, I don't think it is a simple question I think it's quite a deep question actually um so I think I think there's a few words that come up when you say, what do I hope people feel more of? And they're, and they're closely related. And, um, and, you know, in some ways, I feel like they're almost the same. But it, they're the things that I think that creativity can do for people. And I hope that the book is, is part of that. So they are things like hope, um, possibility, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. agency. For, for me, there's almost no hell-like feeling, like having an idea, uh, knowing in my inside myself that I really want to do it, you know, whether whether that's like uh, a business I've I've wanted to start or or singing at a karaoke party, the feeling is the same for me or has been. There's there's almost no hell feeling that I experience have experienced like that feeling, and the flip of it is a sense of hope and possibility and agency, uh, the sense that I can do this, like I can do something. I'm not trapped. I'm not hopeless. I'm not stuck. So that's mm -hmm. the feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and the do then is, you know, I think it is that that maybe is a little simpler. It, it is take those small steps. Um, and, I, and I think that it is, uh, it's probably like one of the things that I admire, love to see the most, like get most inspired by is acts of courage. And, and so like, I think that really under it, creativity can be a, one of the biggest acts of courage. And again, we're talking about creativity in a very broad sense here. It's like 
making a taking a leap. Uh, it makes me think of Indiana Jones stepping off the in in third Indiana Jones film. He's he's he has to step off this he has to scatter some step off this thing onto a a bridge that's invisible until he's standing on it, and that's what creativity is like. And it, it takes a real act of courage and faith. And courage is 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 um, acting in the face of fear. So mm. to do something like if I if I could really choose it, it would be for people to take the small step. Um, into something that they have been afraid of, but no, deep down is is the path for them. Mm. That's awesome. So tell tell us about the you've mentioned a, a couple times, but I think it's such a the book. The book is a reflection of so many different things, but one of the things it's a reflection of is what's emerged out of your twelve minute your twelve minute practice, your twelve minute method. Can you just share with everyone really quick, like what is the twelve minute method? Yeah. So essentially, um, I was in that kind of creative hell I was just talking about far more often in about 2016. And I was working with a coach. And one of the things we work, we'd been working on as a kind of side project, mostly we were working on my coaching business. Um, but as a side project, this thing kept coming up about writing, about sharing things online. And there was a lot of procrastination. There was a lot of um, resistance. There was a lot of discomfort in me at the time around all that stuff. So we developed a little practice, which is that I would write on the train that I got from where I live in Southwest London into the center of the city. I was coaching two days a week and working in a leadership program uh, admin role. Um, three days a week so I got the training three times a week and we decided to do five over the following two weeks before I went on holiday and what I would do is I would get on the train right while the train was moving on my phone so my thumbs had to move fast stop when the train stopped proofread it once and post it on LinkedIn um, mm. because I thought no one read LinkedIn um, and I think less people did fewer people did read LinkedIn in 2016 um, and I would do it with a little caveat at the bottom of the article to say I wrote this on the train um, which was my way of of you know getting through some of my fear about what people might think of my writing, what people might might say. Um, and I did that five times and it felt, uh, it felt not nice, um, <laughs> uh, but it felt good, I think, or it felt like the right thing to do. Um, it wasn't pleasant. Like I, it's hard to remember exactly with those pieces because I feel like a long time ago, they kind of lost a little bit in all the other pieces that I've written over the years. but. I kind of remember the feeling of hovering over the share button, right. you know, the cursor hovering there, you know, other times. And I know I had it with these. So it wasn't fun, really, but it was the right thing to do. And it was so much the right thing to do that after that, I committed to doing one a week um, uh, between then and Christmas. That was August. Then it was till Christmas. Then it rolled on. And uh, I've been doing it once a week ever since. Like I say, for like five and a half years of that writing practice now. Um, at some point, I stopped getting the train as much. I, my coaching business grew. I left that admin role um, or, or I was just going in less. I, I can't remember exactly. And I realized I needed a way to write when I wasn't getting the train. So I checked how long the next train journey was. It was 12 minutes uh, the next time I got that train. And so uh, every week after that, that I wasn't getting a train at a suitable time into the city, I would set a timer uh, for 12 minutes right while the time is going, stop when the timer stops proofread it once and post it um and that on one level is the 12 minute method which is the mm -hmm. name of a series of books but then something else emerged so i got about three years in and i started thinking you know actually it's quite hard one of there was quite a lot of thoughts going on at the time but one of them was for the people that you know one of the things about having a free museum is that after a while 
it gets quite hard to navigate the free museum. And if you even, and I, sometimes yes. I kind of realize that like even my mum couldn't find her way to all the interesting parts of this free museum. And she really wants to. Like, I remember really thinking when I didn't have a mailing list with my, with my brother-in-law who isn't on LinkedIn. And it's like, occasionally he would find one of my pieces through Twitter, but then he stopped going on Twitter. And it's like, that means he can't find my free museum. He can't find this great stuff, even though he would yeah. quite like to. So I have to have a mailing list. To, to help him navigate the free museum. And I, I kind of realized that the blog had got so unwieldy that it it also would benefit from being in a book. And, and also I thought it'd be funny because I could call that book, I wrote this book in 12 minutes, um, which appeals to my kind of uh, sense of humor and also to my desire to provoke a little bit. And what was interesting was I took that idea to a friend of mine who's a copy uh, editor Mm -hmm. and said you know are you up for doing a little bit of work with me on this and he said yeah but the interesting thing is that's quite a challenging title and it, it says to people I made this in 12 minutes brackets you know a week for three years um you what can you do like why aren't you doing the thing you want to do but but Steve who was the copy editor asked can the book itself um can the book itself do that same thing can it also help people uh with their creative battles and the kind of magic thing was it could. So I sat down and I thought, well, if I if I had been writing a book about the creative process um, over the last three years, what would the different parts of it be? And I wrote those four things down and then I printed off all um, about 130, 140 of those blog posts and I dealt them out into those mm. four sections. And it turned out that give or take like, I don't know, 10 or 15 and a couple of things where I'd written the same thing twice, essentially, because I'd, you know, I'd forgotten between year one and year three, or whatever it was, then I actually had been writing about those things for those three years. And so there's another level of the 12 minute method, which is that it is those four stages, and all the insights that, that I discovered over those three years, at which which could be packed into them and the four stages being start your thing. Keep going. When you can create the conditions to do great work. And at some point, share that work and those mm. i think are the four fundamental stages and the create the conditions one you can do without to a certain extent the other three are absolutely fundamental like no art no art nothing that mattered was ever made without being started persisted with and at some point shared um and then and then so what had emerged was that because i'd been wrestling with my creative battles and working with coaching clients on doing things they wanted to do that's what I've been writing about because I've been writing in this kind of strange emergent way where I would just get on the train and be like, oh, hell, what am I going to write about today? Oh, there was that interesting thing that happened. Boom, 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 boom. Um, that I've been collecting insights over those three years about those four parts of the process of making something. Mm. Do you think you've mentioned a couple of times, like uh, you've used the phrase long game, and you're talking about your experience and where you're at now through the lens of years, right? You know, three years, six years. Mm. What year are you now in your coaching? I think Ten? coming uh, year seven, this is. Right, year seven. And um, do you think it's, po and I don't, I don't know if this, I hope this, this question makes sense. Mm. Do you think it's possible to truly lean into the long game, um, not knowing what's going to happen, but just having to begin and trusting it at the beginning? Or is that something we can only see on the other end of it? Like I'm thinking about when, 
because I do like speaking to coaches who are at the beginning of their journey, right? And there are some people listening to this who are, who were maybe just certified last week, right? Who just got the email saying, congratulations, you, you're now a coach or they've decided maybe it's more of they've embarked on a course of self-study. There are plenty of coaches who never got a certification, but they're like, I think I'd like to be a coach. And do you think it's just when you talk with coaches who've been in it for the long game, and that is the one of the big lessons, right? Like, oh, this is a marathon, not a sprint, this idea of the long haul. Do you think we could have gotten that at the beginning? Or, or hmm. uh, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is, it, is there a I- way? Because when I ask that question, I think, well, am I just trying to fast track an awareness that actually cannot be fast tracked no matter what what we do or say anyway i'm curious your thoughts on that so i think it's i think it's both so i think that yes there is a look there is an embodied confidence that you can only have after like you can only really know you can only really know once you've done something i could only really know that i wasn't gonna like really know that i wasn't gonna be eaten alive by the world when i posted online which is what it felt like was going to happen after I posted online and I hadn't been eaten alive by the world. Like that's the only time I really knew. Um, Before that, all you can have is courage and faith. Um, Now I would say that it is a powerful um, thought experiment for any new coach starting out to act as if they are in it for the long game. And if possible to make a real commitment to themselves that they're in it for the long game. It just makes life a lot easier because suddenly every bit of pressure doesn't feel like like if i'm only in it until if i'm only in it if i get a client this month then everything everything my whole future rests on every conversation i have with a prospective client this month right if i I know i'm if i know i'm going to give it five years um of of small concerted action or big concerted action um then like when i'm having a conversation with a prospective client i'm thinking i'm able to not maybe all the time but I'm able to learn, um, this is what happened to me definitely, I'm able to learn to um, inhabit that longer term thinking, which makes me much better at doing my coaching, makes me much better at running my business right. um, in all kinds of ways. So I think that like the act of committing to it as a profession for the long game is really helpful, especially if we want to be able to do that, that thing I was talking about with leadership, with our coaching business, if we want to like live it according to our values like one of the things that often happens is we kind of feel like to, to get enough speech marks, enough clients um, in the next six months, I'm going to have to do something that I don't really agree with, like cold call 3000 people or sign up to one of these slimy things that we see on a Facebook ad or whatever it is. And that's the only way to succeed. If we remember that we are really committed to coaching or we choose, I mean, really, it's if we choose to recommit to coaching every time we feel like that and think, OK, what if I'm in this for five years? then everything tends to look a lot more full of possibility and a lot less frightening. Um, and those decisions for me have always become a lot easier. One of the thought experiments I still use when I'm stressed out about what to say to a client is um, what would a really successful coach do here? Mm. And that always makes me make a really nice decision about what to write in an email or what to say to a client, because it's like, if I was really successful speech marks already, then it would be obviously I'm going to, you know, say this to this person or 
obviously this person just gets all their money back right now. You know, that's one of the ones I had, I think last year or the year before, I was really fretting. It's like, oh, the contract isn't quite clear because I have messed up the contracting. What am I supposed to do with this person here? And it's like, if I was really successful, what would I do? I just right. let it go. And that's the same as if I'm in this for the next five years, what would I do? Well, if I'm in this for the next five years, the most important thing is that me and this person have a relationship that is still full of possibility after our interaction. So I want to really not upset and piss them off because I want them to love working with me, love the way that our work ended so much that they could still refer people to me, even though we only did two of the six months we were planning to do or whatever it was. Um, and that's what the long game idea um, gives us. And it's quite common in other parts of business, Allegra, as well. I think like often people will, you know, a, a kind of traditional business, or if you're running a shop, um, you know, you would get advice like you've got to have enough money up front to last five years right. before you start making the money. For some reason that doesn't always add up with, with coaches. It really, doesn't. really funny. One of my mentors, Katie Harvey, she said that she'd once had that with a coach who a new coach who came to it with her who didn't hadn't been infected by coaching in any way so had just thought about it like she'd read about other business had set aside enough money to make you know you know this is obviously this took her hard work in other ways or she'd set her life up so that her coaching business didn't have to make money for the first five years and that just meant that her whole game was a different game she was playing instead of most of us who you know put enormous pressure on on that work to pay our mortgage from day one why do you think why do you think that pressure exists do you think that pressure exists in every industry do you think that coaching it's even it's positioned even more so as kind of a a, yeah. a solution to that because i see that yeah. too and i wonder is it is it more heightened in coaching this idea like well i just have to do this and it'll happen very quickly um or I think, I think do you there's a lot of yeah, in a lot entrepreneurship of kind of in general there's a lot of cowboys aren't there who who kind of do that prey on like there is a there's probably like there is a real thing with coaching where it does have a lot of hmm, there's a lot there's quite a lot going on actually isn't there and i think it isn't that thing yeah. that you, you call a coaching industrial complex it's like it's yeah. wrapped up in all that two two things that come to mind one is maybe three. I wonder if I can do all these. So like one is, <laughs> one is that co like coaching has a lot of the characteristics of like a Tim Ferriss four hour work week lifestyle business. So you can do it from anywhere. You don't need anything to start up. Um, you, you know, it's, you kind of don't need any training or qualifications, although we could talk a lot more about that. Mm. Um, you know, it's like, so it, ha it, it does attract people who want to be able to quit their job um, and do this thing uh, and work for themselves and make loads of money so that they don't have the kind of grind of speech marks ordinary job. So I think it, it, it attracts those because of some characteristics about it. Because of that, it also attracts a whole bunch of people who will kind of sell into that, um, that thing, which is if you, do, you know, it's the classic kind of Facebook ad. Mine have gone quiet a bit recently, actually. I haven't seen one of these for a while. About two years ago, I was getting them all the time. It's like, do my six things and you will have a seven figure yes. coaching business in six months or whatever. And I used to get loads of those. I actually haven't been seeing them. Maybe they've, maybe they've realized I never click on them or something or, 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 or that I was taking <laughs> screen, screen grabs of them all to, to use uh -huh. them as a joke later. But um, it's like, so, so it attracts a lot of that. And so because of that, it's kind of like, um, you know, there's this sense that it's possible. Yeah. Um, and, and also because it is possible. <laughs> so let's like, 
That's the last piece of it. If it wasn't possible to make a coaching business successful quickly, um, everyone would smell that or see it or feel it, or a lot of people would, and, and it wouldn't be possible to missell that possibility to people via the Facebook ads. So it's because it, it's because it, it, it does attract people who want to do that. It is possible to do that. And you've got a load of people kind of misselling things that won't really work to help you to do that. Um, mm. Yeah, so it's quite complex as I to agree. why that happens. No, and I and I probably it. haven't even touched on the whole. Oh, there's probably loads of bits in there that I haven't even touched on actually. Yeah, I think it's it's like it's like do are any get rich quick schemes really get rich quick? Right. Um, like, and if they are, if it like. Yeah, if they are, like, I don't think so, <laughs> would be my feeling. Well, nothing that really matters is. So, like, you could get rich quick off Bitcoin, but you won't have really added anything to the world by doing that. Um, so, in my view, that's less interesting than, mm -hmm. than, than as well as, as more like, so it's like, it's more interesting and it's more within your control to do something which, requ which requires you to actually do the thing. And I once had this mm. thought about relationships as well. It's like, we get sold the kind of Hollywood thing about relationships, which is you meet someone, you fall in love and it's happily ever after. And it took like heartbreak for me to realize that that wasn't true. Um, and it took real heartbreak for me to look at myself so hard that I thought, oh, I can learn more about how to do this well. And at first I found that incredibly unromantic that I was reading books about how to do romance and relationships well. And then I realized it's much more romantic to put the effort in um, so that you can be happy with somebody and help somebody else be really happy than it is to accidentally stump like what's the romance of accidentally stumbling it's like mm. like betting on bitcoin and you accidentally stumble on the right person in the coffee shop or whatever where's the where's the where's the like courage <laughs> and what, what's to be admired about chance versus uh -huh. you know sitting down every week week after week not in yeah and 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 not breaking up you know which is not, not, an easy, not an easy thing to do in a relationship sure. sometimes <laughs> No, there are definitely lots of layers. I have, I, I'd love to get a, a bit more of your perspective on coaching, but before stepping away from the book, cause I would, I just want to, I just want to let you know some of the, the, I mean, there are lots of chapters for those of you who haven't read it yet, though I hope you do soon. Like it's essentially a collection of essays spanning from 2016 to 21. Is that the right span? 16 to 19. 16 to 19 for some yeah. oh maybe i was i've been looking at your blog post too yeah, so yeah. i know that those are there too but um one of the things that i highlighted that i really loved from 2017 august 18th the chapter was don't <laughs> let your resistance beat you <laughs> loved just the acknowledgement of resistance and you really like gave it language and words the kinds of phrases that when coaches are getting ready to share or to, you know, to put their stuff out there to try something new that they've never done before, those voices just come in like gangbusters and yeah. feel very, very real. And I always, an example is, well, what if a stranger sees this? You know, mm -hmm. what if a stranger sees this? What if, what if just the what ifs are the, the way that they tend to get packaged up? And I love kind of just reframing that question. I'm like, I know, but what if a what if a stranger doesn't see this? Like, mm. what if what if it, this is not seen by someone who needs to see it? And you you this phrase that you wrote. Um, first of all, you acknowledged and noted that contribution, like contributing, and I love that word. 
Um, contributing to a conversation is easier than it ever was before, <laughs> which again, the flip side of that is complete overwhelm about all the different ways that there are to contribute, right? So it's yeah, or, or like contributing a, unskillfully and meanly yes, on YouTube. It's just there's the 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 anyway. It, can, it there's definitely a, a a sweet spot in that. But then you wrote and you said because why should we do it? And you brought it back to that angle of what might happen on the other end of your sharing and you said because someone because people might be inspired because people might be changed for the better and they might be happier because of what you did and then you, i love you're like and you will be happier too mm. and i just um do you use does that is that ever an angle that you still take of like i have to share this because not it has nothing to do with like who am i not to put this out there you know what i mean like does that still do you still turn to that even six years in or have you found that you're able to drop back into like no i need to do this for me you know yeah so first important thing to well yeah thank you allegra first of all for pulling out that piece um and for reading the book like it's a it's a still a special thing especially when somebody with somebody like you who I really respect and you know it's, it's quite something that you've given your time to read this for me so I, I, I want to oh. say that um I love that you've pulled out that piece probably you know it's it's inspired by Stephen Pressfield and probably no book has had a bigger impact on me than reading The War of Art um oh. it's important to say that if you practice sharing your work in the way that I have it does get easier so like that's important yeah. to say because otherwise it's like because um, the answer to your question is yes, I still do think about that, but it's not the set. That doesn't mean it's the same. Like it does get easier. You know, confidence comes after courage. Like, but it does come. And if you practice something, you do get better at it. I'm better at writing, and I'm much better at sharing than I used to be. And yes, it's like there's almost um, it's become a you know it's become a very strong value of mine um, that I will share my work. Uh, that, that I really believe that thing. I wrote it enough times and read what I'd written enough times and read other people saying other things enough times that I really came to believe it. Um, it was kind of the fundamental, in, that's the last chapter of this book. In the first chapter of the book, I talk about that insight as well. It really came with a, a really random thing that I have, which is a website about my favorite fantasy author, David Gemmell. But it's mm -hmm. like, I hadn't made that website for years. And I had all kinds of crazy resistance and voices in my head about it that made no logical sense. But I couldn't see that until somebody said, look, my friend Inga said, you know, actually, you know, how many people would need to see this website and be inspired by it, you know, to make it worth it? And she, then she said, like, an even more killer question. It's like, I've got a 14-year-old. I told her that I first found that author at 14 and it had changed my life. And it's like, I've got a 14-year-old boy. You know, what if it's him? And then it's like, at that point, you know, my yep. ego just goes, oh, no. <laughs> She's right. I have to do this, don't I? Mm -hmm. And so I have that quite internalized now. But, but it took me, like, the reason that those, right, that, that it's 16 to 19 that are in the blog posts, is because, you know, and, and that 19, the end of 19, 20 and 21 aren't is because it took me two years to get this book out. And throughout that time, there's lots of good reasons for that. And, and there are a lot, there's lots of resistance in there. Um, and I kept, you know, I kept having to come back to it. No, I have to get this out because I don't know what will happen when it comes out for me, right. yeah, but for other people. And 
it, you know, I, how it's like, I, I know that the story, so it's, it's the, a funny thing is I ran a, a, a little writing group for a while called How to Write a Book in 12 Minutes. And two people published their books before I managed to get this out, even though this one was finished before the writing group started. Two people from, and like, well, how do I know which of those books will change the world the most? Uh, you know, how do I know who, which person who, like I had a, a message from someone, one of my favorite ever messages that, I, that I've had was from a woman who just out of the blue, apropos of nothing, before the book came out, before she even knew that I was publishing a book about it, I think, was just like, I remember this workshop you did. And again, I've only done one workshop about this concept. And I think about it all the time. It helped, I've told mm -hmm. loads of people about it. it. It helps me write emails. It helps me, you know, do all these things because I just remember that, ah, oh, 12 minutes, arbitrary amount of time. If I give it that, that's probably enough. Okay, great. So it's like, I don't know what the I impact know. will be. And, I, and so therefore I have to get it out. And uh, so I do think about it all the time, but I have to use all kinds of ways to do that. Like in the run up to this book, like I got some really lovely people, including those two people who were inspired by, my idea, the 12 minute method to publish that book, to write things, to go in the front of the book. I decided I could get the most impressive sounding, people with the most impressive sounding job titles to do it, but to write things for the front of the book. But instead it'd be better to get people who had actually learnt about the method or my writing and been inspired to start something by it. Yeah. That's almost entirely, there's a couple of people in there who are in there for their impressive job titles, but um, mostly people are in there because of that. And Every time when there was the real doubt, when it was strongest, I would remind myself about those things that people had written and read them back because it's like, if the, because again, they're people a bit like you who I trust to be telling mm -hmm. me the truth. So uh, at, at its worst, my doubt and resistance would be saying, um, you know, Allegra's only read the book because, and there's only interviewing me on, on her show because I asked and she was too embarrassed to say no. And she doesn't really want to be doing it. Like that's the stuff <laughs> that I would be telling myself now. I'm skilled enough to know that that's to, to, tr to trust that you wouldn't do that and that, that yeah. I'd given you the way to, to say no and that you're a courageous direct person and would have told me if you didn't want to do it. But I had the same thing with the book with these like these people had like given me these things that they like some of them long and all of them beautiful about me and about the, the 12 minute method and about my writing to put in the front of this book. And still I was going, yeah, but they probably only did it because they they you know, you ask them and they don't, it doesn't really count. And then I have to read it again and go, no, look, mm -hmm. you know, Emma Kerr wrote this of me spontaneously. She didn't have to say this. I just asked her if she wanted to in include it. It's there, you know, like, um, I know that Nadine Kelly meant this, you know, when she said it, like, I trust her. She, she again, like you, she's a kick-ass person. She wouldn't have written it if, if, if she didn't mean it, but I have to keep telling myself that. So, it's like, it's, it's like, yes, I use that and all of this stuff. And, you know, I've somebody said, maybe you'll know who this is. I'm pretty sure, you know, we write the books for us. The, the art right. we make is mostly is for us first. Um, and this book is definitely for me. And throughout the whole process, the, the poor people help, who helped me publish it, you know, they had to keep hitting my perfectionist and going, you're doing it again, basically. You're doing that thing again, Robbie. And I was like, luckily, I've got this book that is in front of me that now that I can look at when I'm procrastinating and... and and remind hmm. myself to just get the thing out there and trust. What do you, what would you, what would you call that? Um, you, you, you said something that I say a lot, which is, I don't know what's going to happen. And so I must go do it. <laughs> yeah. What would you call that? What is that? Do you know what that, is there a word? 
that that would be the definition of i think i know what i what word i <laughs> capture that definition oh, of but definitely, definitely want to hear yours in a sec yeah because when you said it, like what would you what do you call that because someone listening might be like no 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 I can't do it if I don't know what's going to happen. But what I'm hearing is I don't know what is what's going to happen, so I have to. Yeah. Do you? I'm true. I like. I, I'm just curious. Maybe it's just, oh. it's just enough to have that idea out there. But I am curious if it can be distilled down into even something like a value or a, yeah. a an what, idea. What What comes up for me? I'll have to speak to this to see if it works, and and you'll have to sense check it because I've never particularly thought this about this before. What came up when you were saying that is humility. So there's a kind of, there's a kind of, and it's, it's a harsh thing to say, because I, to, to me of the past and me sometimes of the present and other people who might be listening, there's a kind of uh, arrogance to trying to predict exactly what will happen in the world and to, to, to suggest that I know best about what will happen with my work and with, with like, with, with who will benefit from it and why and when and at what level of quality is good enough and all those kinds of things. It feels really, to me, it feels, which is a weird thing, because normally, you, you know, I would associate, or I think the, the societal story would be something like, you know, it takes a certain amount of arrogance to, to put your work out, to say, I made this and put it there. But it, for me in this, it's humility. It's like, mm. I have no, I am bad at knowing how impactful and good my work is. And, and it is, you know, I have to be humble about that. And therefore, I have to, you know, if I really, there's a value in there, right? Which is like, there is another value because I am serious about having an impact or, or making a use of this life that I have or fulfilling my potential or all those things that people say. So it's like, if I have, I have a commitment to that and then the humility becomes important because if I don't really know, if I can admit that I have no idea of the impact of these things, and that I've been wrong about the impact of my work lots of times, and that I'm mostly pessimistic about it, and mostly that <laughs> resistance is wrong, and mostly I'm more impactful than I imagine it's going to be, uh, that I'm going to be, or or my work is more impactful than I imagine it's going to be, albeit my work is impactful on a very small scale, um, then if I want to have an impact, I have to be humble, and and yeah, I have to share. I, I've never thought about that before, Allegra, so that's kind of live thinking. I love uh, it. I'd love, I'd love to hear what you think, and also what the word was, or, or the value that, that comes up for you. The, the, the value that, that that definition shows up for me actually is valuing adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah definitely. Ad, adventure is one of my top values, along with like creativity and curiosity, which is why I think you and I get along so well because of those shared kind of yeah. priorities and interests. But adventure for me, when I've been at, like sat down and be like, how do I define what adventure is? And this is something that I encourage everyone listening to. Like we all have values in name but what mm. what actually does it mean and for me it tends to surface when someone says but i don't know what's going to happen and my my <laughs> gut response you get is, excited. i know i go good let's go find out or they say yeah. or someone says but what if no one comes to my workshop i'll say i don't know let's go find out what happens when no one comes to your workshop <laughs> like that that uh, that spirit and as you i just love that it surfaced you know this i don't know what's going to happen so i have to get it out there i'm like that's it it's it's yeah the other piece i think in that's a, a secret i do i think that's a secret reframe that changes everything so, so from... for me, the other thing that's in there like just just mm -hmm. to catch it is 
like my equivalent value of adventure is is courage right and so just to just to catch it because i think it is there's something very similar but it is subtly different and so i imagine it'll be different for everybody for me it's like i sometimes some the war of art really let me in on the secret that loads of people are terrified yes (laughs) and therefore (laughs) that fear is not a reason to not do something like loads of people and and he gives great examples like Laurence olivier throwing up before he goes on stage or it might be henry ford and no, uh, Henry Fonda, not Henry Ford, Henry Fonda doing that, that, but I've heard the same about Olivier, you know, throwing up on stage right towards the end of his, of his, of their careers. And it's like, if they're scared and if Paolo Coelho, I think I quote him in that, in that chapter you just mentioned, you know, procrastinates for five hours before he starts writing, then I'm probably, it's okay. Like, that's not an excuse, but I mm. still feel the fear. And so then I have to trust the courage. And so that, for yeah. me, that's where, but it's like, it, I do have the adventure thing as well. And and now that I've kind of experienced the rush of courage and what happens after it, that's much clearer. But a lot of it early on was like, okay, if I want to be different and I want to make a difference, I'm going to have to face the fear and I'm going to have to be brave. And and, and that's what it was for me. But sorry, I, I, I'm aware I interrupted. Oh, I love it. No, this is great. Well, so it's, I just want to kind of put a pin in this moment because mm-hmm. this, this, this train of conversation emerged out of talking about just one of the essays in the book and I easily I'm going to have notes on lots of other different essays from the book that I'm like but the you know I think it speaks to the the value of not and and I suspect you know perhaps this is something you're facilitating or you have written about but like even just taking one of these and bringing it into conversation with someone you know is just something very actionable with the book Mm -hmm. for someone who's listening is, and what's neat about it is you can truly jump to any essay to begin. And um, it could just be a really cool exercise to pick one, read it, bring those insights into, you know, a peer group that you're a part of, a a, a coaching friend, a creative partner, even if it's not a coach, but just someone who's in this space of wanting to start something and just notice what surfaces from it. Because even just you and I chatting about one of the many ideas like yeah. <laughs> blossomed into this um, space. I'd love to, um, if it's all right, I have just a couple of like quick questions specific to the experience of being a coach that I would love to get your 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 thoughts on yeah of course but i just i love what you said there and and it, just to say about the book you know it isn't uh, because of the way it was written but also because i think this is the probably the best way to write about something as complex as creativity or procrastination or making things happen it's like yeah it isn't a traditional how to this book it's a series of insights uh, and ideas mm. which any of which might be the right one for somebody reading and that's why i hope yeah. you know i love the way you just talked about that if, if anybody used the book in that way that's better than the, than the suggestions I've made. If anybody used the book that way, like that's an amazing way to use use the book. I'm going to steal that and talk about that on, on, on podcast 11. Yes. Great. All the podcasts are just going to just totally take shape over time. All right. So I guess I have two, although I say two, but we'll see if another bonus yeah. pops in there. But we'll, we'll try to... to um... So the first question is, again, this is for thinking about coaches who might be listening. What is... What is a myth or misconception that people, particularly maybe at the very beginning of the coaching journey, um, what's a myth or misconception about being a coach and not just the art of coaching, but having a coaching practice that you really love debunking? (laughs) 
Mm. I mean, this is like, yeah, <laughs> the thing that people might not want to hear, but that you want to be like, so let me just put a pin in that just for a moment. Well, I think we talked about a great one, which is that it's easy. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good one. Like people just need to prep themselves. Like, I don't know, maybe there are some people out there who have found it easy. I did not. Um, I had to do that bra bravery thing that we've just been talking about repeatedly um, to, to continue my coaching business. Um, and I don't make six figures or anything crazy like that, right? I make enough money yeah. for me and probably I'd make more if I, if I really needed to. I, I could probably, you know, work more hours or, or, or do some things that would bring in more money. But, you know, I'm making the right amount of money for me and that's perfect. But like, I don't think it's that easy to make loads of money. And, and that's important to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, the most common one that I hear, and I know that you kind of think about and do work on this as well, is like, uh, I guess this makes sense. This is a really good one to go with the theme of starting. It's like, don't wait to start coaching. People have all kinds of myths that, that make mean that they don't coach people. And yep. So for me, it's like, yeah, no, don't niche. Don't wait to find a niche yep. before you start. That's <laughs> yes. the, that would be the kind of biggest one. So it's like, just do some coaching. Like, I, I'm so glad that I, I don't know where this insight came from. It must have come from somebody else because it's too wise to have come from me. When I was starting out, I was like, I, I think it probably came from me being coached. Maybe it did partly come from me. It's like, how am I supposed to know what my niche is? I haven't coached anyone yet. Yeah. Like, I'm going to need to coach like 100 people before I've got any idea who I really like coaching with. And I discovered quite early on that who I thought I liked coaching. I did a really dull, I found someone who was exactly that niche. The coaching was dull. <laughs> it wasn't very effective. I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to do something different. And, and, and I learned about how to do that by coaching. Yeah. So, you know, really the myth is there is anything more useful to do at the start of your coaching than coach people. Well, so then that kind of fed into question number two, which is, and this is, I love thinking about this. So I, I mentioned it towards the beginning. There's a coach listening to you and I talk right now. And because you know that they've stuck around through this whole conversation, they're still here. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. They, they, they got the email last week from their certification program and it says you've passed and they're, they're, they're assuming this identity of being a coach. They're like, okay. And they're sitting in their living room or they're driving around and what like, what is the thing that they can do today? Like, what, what do you think is the very first thing for them to start doing? That if at the end of the day, they could say, I did that, like really in the moment, do you have, do you have something to maybe offer in there? Yeah, it's like I can just feel my uh, the perfectionist in me, right? Wants to get like, because you kind of ask that question as though there is one and only one I know, thing. So like, I want to get, I really want to get this right, Allegra, especially yeah, okay. for that person no, listening, I especially because they've listened so long. But um, uh, that's what's the one thing. What's one thing they could do? Because I love staying yeah. in the place of could. So yes, let's make it more expansive than just the one. <laughs> I'm also catching because one of the members of my community asked me this question, and I wrote him an email to answer it and i haven't got that email in front of me so i i also feel like i i know there is an answer but i don't have it but look here's the thing it is that thing it is what i just said i think it is like begin to f so maybe it's a combination of two things we've already talked about it's like hold the long game like check yeah. if you're in it for the long game and if you're not like that that's a really valuable insight to take probably to your coach um 
you know, it's like, okay, why am I not in it for the long game? And what's that about? Because I think it really makes a difference. I I sat down and thought about what are like the three things that I think I've learned from coaches who I've spoken to about and how they've made it, you know, made coaching a success. And one of them is like a commitment to the long game feels like it is. It is that. And of course, it's faith at the start really is. It's like, but if they found, if they've already found that they love coaching through the training and many people do, it feels like a calling. It feels like something they've been doing their whole lives and now they've got a way to have yeah. a business about it like if you're in that place then it is to coach for me and you know a good frame to do that in is like thinking about the long game so one that I like to suggest to people is you know sit down and think about five people who you know and trust who have a network of people you know that perhaps these people who you know and trust um, are people who already might refer people to you um, but what you do is you say to them look um I did it with like my friend, you know, who's, you know, he's a teacher, but he has also lots of other good networks and really good friend of mine. And I said, look, we're never going to, you're never going to be a client of mine because we know each other too well. But I sent this in an email um, and anyone can just pause this, take this down, send it. It'll it'll work. It's a lovely email. I stole it from somebody else called Carolyn Freya Jones. So Carolyn, get this hat tip. Like, you know, we're never going to, you're never going to become a client of mine because we know each other too well. And I wouldn't want you to be a client anyway, but I know that you, you know, like me and might refer people to my, to my coaching business. But I, you know, the best way to know who to refer is if we've done some coaching together. So what I'd love to do is I'd love to offer you a coaching session as a gift from me. um, And just so that you'll really know who to refer people, you know, who to refer to me, if or when that ever feels like the right thing to do. Oh, and by the way, I would say to, I said to my friend Rupert, for example, who, who I did this with, by the way, Rupert, I won't be remotely offended if you, uh, or no, I didn't say that. I probably said, I, I won't be offended because I knew I would be remotely offended. Um, but I tr- <laughs> try and tell the truth in these things, right? I won't be offended. Or I won't be seriously offended if you say no. Um, that's totally okay. Full permission to say no. Um, but if you're up for it, it's something I'd love to offer you. I think it'd be a really nice way for us to connect um, and we'll get to do some work on something that's important to you. That's what awesome. do you think? And, and you can do the good thing about that one is you can do that like for the rest of your coaching career. You can do that for yep. the next hundred years. You can do it once a day for a hundred years um, if, if you want to, if you can think of the people. And you can also tell them why if you want. Like, that's a nice thing to do. So, uh, and I thought of you because, you know, I love the way that you, do this work. It'll also be a pleasure for me to coach you because, you know, in his, in Rupert's case, it's like, cause you're a teacher in this particular school and I know that's hard work. So I'd love to support you with that as well as part of that. That's an extra little bonus for both of us. I love it. I just love, I love what I appreciate about that idea is, is it's, is how actionable it is. And, and I, I love it because it's completely within your control. Like that was it's when I completely when... within your control. And it could be, it's so often ideas or what to start feels like there's no shape to it, you know? Yeah. And so it's hard to know if you've done it or not. And, and just and to I... say, it'll, it'll get easier as well. Like the first one will feel scary. So do it for the person you're least scared of. Yes. Before. So I did it with my sister. <laughs> I think my sister might have been the first invitation that I sent like that. Um, and and then like Rupert, who's like a really, I'm like his, I'm the God uh, father of his son. So like we're, we're close. And then, you know, gradually it got further and further out until I got, cause I got more and more confident because I did the action, the brave yes. thing, felt more confident and gradually it got easier and easier. Ah, it's so good. Um, all right. Is there anything else you'd like to share that we haven't, that I haven't asked you about? Um, 
it's been a wonderful conversation. Like I, I was thinking so before um, this call that so until this call, we had a hundred percent record of having good conversations, and I was wondering, <laughs> will we still have that at the end? And we I think it. we do. We um, did. at least at least to be inside the conversation. It'll be lovely to hear from people whether it's good to be outside the conversation. Yes. Um, so I had this thought, which I've been trying to. So I'm working on the second book now, which is the Keeping Going book, and mm. one of the thoughts that I've had, I'm trying to say this uh, as often as possible because I'm trying to like by saying it um understand it more and i think this is where i've got to with it so one of the things about the 12 minute method is if you start if you do something even for 12 minutes a week then after three years you might have something really magical like i discovered accidentally that i had a book in fact not one book but four books um it's going to be a series of four short books instead of one big one for various reasons too long to talk about um but well not too long to talk about essentially because not everyone will need the whole thing. Somebody might just need the starting bit or the keeping going bit or the sharing bit. And if they just want that, that's amazing. Um, one of the, so it's like, if you have a habit, then suddenly time is on your side. Mm. So instead of what used to happen with me is like, you've got this idea and it's there. And then with every day that you don't do anything about it, the regret gets bigger. Uh, at least it does for me. It's like, oh, I had this idea last week and I still haven't done anything. It's like at the moment, I haven't done anything about the fact that, um, this is a version of it, I hadn't thought about this, haven't done anything about the fact that some of the sealant in our bathroom has come off. And like, I should have just done something about it straight away. I should have learned my own lessons and, and stopped procrastinating. But I find uh, plumbers a bit intimidating and I don't have a plumbing budget. And so I haven't done anything about it. Um, and every week that goes by, every time I think about it now, it's like, oh, there's a little thing, it's a little bit worse every time. And the same has been true with business ideas I've had with writing ideas. If you do a little bit of it, it doesn't work so well with the plumbing, but it does a little, it does a bit. But with the <laughs> writing, it really works. It's like, if you do a bit of writing and instead of having a bit of extra regret, I have a bit of writing, like I've done some oh, work on cool. something. So it's not just, it's not just, you. it's like a double, it feels like it's a double, um, it's like doubly better. So I've done a little bit <laughs> of something than I've done nothing, even though, because the regret is in there as well. And I think it's, you know, it's basically the tortoise and the hare, right? Yep. Unless you can keep the high pace going forever, little and often beats pretty much anything. So if you can mm. do, so like don't that invitation thing, like don't worry about doing 30 of them this week, right? If you can do one this week and one next week and one the week after, then if you're in it for the long game, you'll do 50 this year, you'll do a hundred in the next two years, you'll probably end up doing, you know, 15 coaching conversations from that this year if you do just one a week, maybe more. And that's amazing. And that's yeah. how things change. It's how you change. It's how, certainly it's how I've changed. Sounded good to me. How'd it feel to you? That sounded good. Felt good saying it. I love that. I love it'll, it'll that idea of like practicing saying it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's like one of the things about setting a challenge, right? So I did, I've done them with invitations. So like I had a challenge where I had to do 30 invitations in the month of May, I think in 2017, which took my coaching business to a new level. One of the yeah. things that happens if you do a challenge like that is you get competent at something, you get practiced. And when I told my friend Petia that I was doing this podcasting challenge, she said, oh my word, imagine if you only do half of those, how good you'll get at talking about this yeah. book. And I think it's true. Um, and it really helps when somebody, the person I'm talking to, is uh, really present and engaged. Um, it really helps me do that thinking and speaking. So thank you for that, because I can feel that today. <laughs> Great. No, this has truly been a pleasure. I am 
just so grateful that you were able to be here. I, I have no doubt that those who hear this conversation are going to just have countless insights. And I, I really want to invite everyone who's listening, reach out to Robbie, share one last time before we say goodbye, where people can find you online. Yeah, I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. Just let me know why that you heard us on the podcast, because then mm-hmm. we'll just start the conversation instead of me worrying that you're going to bombard me with sales, LinkedIn sales messages. Um, <laughs> uh, or uh, so and that's the social uh, social medium that I am most access, uh, active on. But the best place is you can find me at RobbieSwale.com. Swale is S-W-A-L-E. Um, or thecoachesjourney.com. Uh, and yeah, I'd love to hear from you, especially if you've taken something um, from this conversation or you have any questions or you get hold of the book and take something from that. That would be awesome. And I'll be, I'll put all of that in the show notes. So it'll be linked with the podcast episode. Thank you so much again for being here and for this time in this conversation. I know I'm taking just some really incredible things away from it too. So much appreciation. Well, no, thank you. Thank you for having me. I feel super energized. It's been an absolute pleasure and privilege. All right. We will talk again soon. Yeah. Can't wait. Be well. Once again, thank you so much to Robbie for joining me in this conversation. You can learn more about Robbie over at RobbieSwale.com. You can connect over on LinkedIn, check out his book. All of this is linked in the show notes. I hope you've heard some insights in this one. Feel free to reach out to me directly anytime. You can find me on Voxer or on email. I wish you a wonderful day. Talk soon.